Today's episode of The Aggressive Life has adult themes and adult content. You could choose not to listen to this with your kids. You could choose to listen to this with your kids. Personally, if my kids were young, I would have them listen to this episode and all the language and all the references. But that's me. I'm not you. I choose to make the aggressive move, and I'm just aggressively letting you know that today we have some adult topics on the aggressive life. Aggression is one of the last dirty words in our culture. You can be crass, you can be rude, you can even be profane, but oh, aggressive, don't be aggressive, except it's wrong, dead wrong. I promise you nothing of meaning and transcendence will come into your life passively. It's time for you to get into the arena to push back against a passive, mediocre existence. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to the Aggressive Life. You know, one of the things I see regularly is that we all want to be aggressive in an area of life, not necessarily our area of life. So there's people who are aggressive savers. There are people who are aggressive spenders. There are people who are aggressive motorcyclists. There are people who are aggressive skydivers, aggressive entrepreneurs, aggressive in any number of different ways. And yet I meet very, very few people that are aggressive in every department, every single area of my life. I want to be as aggressive in the thing that I lead that employs hundreds of people as I am with rooting out the problems in my marriage. I need to be just as aggressive in rooting out the problems of my marriage as I am in trying to make sure that I am healthy physically to be able to be capable to do the adventures that I want to do. We can't pick and choose what areas we're going to be aggressive in. We've got to recognize that if we're not consistently aggressive in every sector of our life, we're not going to be who we need to be and our life is not going to work. Don't wait. Jump in. Do it. Do not put off to tomorrow what you need to do exactly right now. Well, with that, i got a good friend of mine, This friend of mine really embodies this principle of being aggressive in every area of your life. We're going to meet him today. His name is Judd Watkins, or also known to me as 512. 512, man, he gets it done. He gets it done. He owns a drywall company. He is the heart, brains, and muscle behind a thing called Man Camp. And uh, he and his wife decided to also start something called Couples Camp. I mean, everywhere you look in Judd's life, there is aggressive move after aggressive move after aggressive move. Here we are, boys and girls, an actual aggressive red-blooded American male here on The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing hey. good, man. Good. I'm very, very... So your day-to-day, like, t- I know you did something aggressive today. Like, <laughs> I, I, did you beat somebody up? Or what? <laughs> Let's just start right there. How many How many people have you seen die before your very eyes? Ooh. Uh, one died... Well, wow. One in front of me. One I pulled out of a car. Was not involved in any way in that death. <laughs> other, than, other than finding the cadaver. Um, that was a sad state. Uh, well, they're all sad. But uh, let's see. Gosh, was it just the one in front of me? Just the one in front of me. Been involved. Several of my friends, though, um, and folks I've been around over the years, probably a dozen, have at, at this early stage in life been gone. So 
So like, I'm, I don't know. I'm <laughs> taking my life my own hands. Just having you as a friend, like I can't believe I'm not dead right now. No, I mean truly, the, you're beating the odds. We've been friends for a while. <laughs> no one I've been friends with this. Long. I haven't lost no one. Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't lost a, a zero. Yeah, right. Yeah, you you have quite an interesting background. You're you got a twin brother. I do identical twin. Yeah, identical twin. And you guys did a bunch of very aggressive things when you were youngsters, didn't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, we had no idea how aggressive we were being when we were, we just, that was kind of what, I don't know, it was our natural reaction to our circumstances, which were less than ideal, you know. So um, both of our parents uh, at the time were um, drug addicts, have both since graduated to add a layer of um, alcoholism uh, in there, and <laughs> both still alive, functional. Um, we don't have the greatest relationship, but I think we've reached an equilibrium in some parts. But my brother and I, identical twins, growing up, uh, lower middle class, I guess is the best way you'd describe that, and uh, a lot of time where it was just the two of us. So it's sort of, um, you know, the law of the glades, eat or be at, you know? So we chose to eat rather than be at. So. <laughs> <laughs> and your job right now, you're doing what? Um, I, I own a metal stud and drywall commercial contracting company. We do, you know, walls, ceilings, insulation, doors, hardware, all that stuff. And I just, I just lead that organization. I got an incredible team of folks that project manage, estimate, actually do the work that, that earns us the money and executes the contracts. So let's yeah. talk about your business. You got a drywall company. You do some pretty aggressive things in terms of how you lead this drywall company, how you, how you deal with dudes. Talk about some aggressive moves you've made. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gosh, aggression aggression can look all kinds of different ways, and I mean there have been times where I was uh, I uh, I got in an alter well I got in a discussion. Uh, about, oh, another altercation. We got, we got a, someone almost died in front no, of you. Well, okay. Ironically, um, I had a guy working for me who went by the name of Pig, not his God given name. That was not was on his birth certificate, but Pig was an enforcer for the Four Horsemen, and Pig hung drywall for me uh, as a piece worker, which means for every sheet he hung, he got paid X amount of dollars. Well, at the end of the week, he says I hung X number of sheets, and I said, well, that's X number of dollars, and we had a discrepancy. He was claiming he had hung more sheets than I thought he did. And so uh, we had we had a big problem with that because a significant amount of money. He comes to my office, and this guy he he looks he looks like if you've ever seen Raising Arizona, the biker in Raising Arizona, like Tex Cobb. If you've ever seen that guy, yep. that's the guy. You know this wild. The, the, <laughs> the guy was an enforcer for the Four Horsemen, which is a local motorcycle gang. Literally got paid to kill people. That's what he, that's one of his, one of his jobs as an enforcer, break knees, kill people, things like that. Comes to the office where there's a discrepancy. He and I have a back and forth about this money. Uh, and I told him, look, Paul, you know me. Paul was his actual name. I don't want to call him pig to his face. So Paul, yeah, you know me. I'm not going to cheat you, but here's the deal. The money was this, this is the board. This is what we agreed on. Here's what I'm paying you. Okay. And so that was very aggressive to get in front of a guy that I know Settles disputes, you know, as a hobby. With death. With death, right? And I'm like, I'm like all right, Paul, this is, here's what we're doing. I told you I was going to pay you this. I'm going to pay you this, right? You know, and uh, we agreed, and he we, he left peacefully. Uh, he And again, he was a peace worker, so he wasn't a constant employee. So he would work for me for a set period of time or a set job, and then he would go away and come back as work presented itself. I find out six months later... He killed a boss over money with a tire iron. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> so, so I came out pretty good there. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was that was that was a close one, I guess. I didn't realize how close I came, you know. But uh, you know, it's gone from that, and that's obviously part of aggression is like physical aggression or standing your ground or whatever. Because I firmly believe that whole you know you can impose your will on the world or your, the world imposes its will on you. Um, 
but it also I make an aggressive move since so I I bought the business back. Uh, I left the business for a while, sold out to my partner, had the opportunity to buy that back from her three and a half years ago now. And since I've been back, I've made some aggressive moves in in how I value these guys who, in my world, in the in the construction world, a lot of the folks that are out there doing this hard work every day are treated like a commodity. Like, right. okay, you can do okay, you can hang this drywall for me, great, it's worth that much money. You can frame this for me, it's worth that much money. Your skills are what you're selling, and it there is nothing else to it. It is purely transactional, and. In the time that I left the business and, and that time when I had that interaction with Pig uh, till coming back to the business about three and a half years ago, my, my journey with faith is like had blossomed and been born and, and, and flourished. And so now instead of looking at everything as this hugely transactional component, it's a hugely relational component. So now I'm making aggressive moves in, in how we compensate the guys, what sort of benefits we provide for the guys, things that as a business owner are incredibly risky because you like have what? to- Like what? Give us an example. Uh, well, every, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a small business owner, right? Okay. We've, we've got about 30 FTEs, okay? That's small. That's under the radar of the government. That's full-time equipment. Full-time equipment, right. So those guys are work for me full-time, okay? What that means is the government doesn't care what I do. They don't even look at me. So healthcare, a lot of big businesses have to provide healthcare. If you have under 50 FTEs, you do not have to do that. Well, our folks all have the opportunity to have a healthcare reimbursement stipend where I give them money to reimburse them for whatever they've paid towards a certain amount towards uh, their healthcare premiums every month. I'm not guaranteed to get that money every month, but I've guaranteed them I'm going to give it to them every month. That's aggressive, right? Yes. 401k. Most companies my size don't have a 401k. Most companies my size don't do a match. I do a match. Uh, I don't I do not do a, an end-of-the-year profit sharing because I believe if if I will do anything for you, but I won't do anything for you, right? So if these guys are willing to invest their own money out of their paycheck every week, then I'm going to match that because I want to encourage them to take care of their family and their futures, right? So I'm on the hook every week on payroll for an additional amount of money to make sure these guys have a retirement plan. And I'm encouraging them to make that choice, which is a tough choice. These guys aren't making $60,000 or That's up. Right. You know, these guys are make these guys are making their way check to check. So to encourage them to invest in their retirement is a big deal. And it's important to me because I look, I'm looking now holistically at a person and how can, how as a business owner, do I approach my employees? So is that, is that an opportunity for me to, squeeze them for all I can get or is it an opportunity for me to help them become the best men they can be? So you're right? doing things that are aggressively first in class in the drywall industry. At my scale, for At your sure. Scale. Absolutely. How's yeah. it working out for you? Unbelievably well. I've got the absolute best employee retention we've ever had in, the company's been in business over 50 years, but we've never seen anything like this. Our margins are better than they've ever been, so we're doing more with less. Uh, our contracts are, our clients are happy. They, our people are happy. It's just working out fantastic. It turns out people want to be cared for, not just paid, right? Well, also <laughs> turns out fascinating when I'm cared for, I actually work right. better. Right. Be, being aggressive right. is not being about being a jerk and, right. and hitting people around. That's not the form of aggression we're talking about here. We're right. talking about taking the proactive step, yep. putting yourself out there, doing something you haven't seen somebody else do. Because guess what? If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always gotten. That's right. That's right. So, you know, a lot of times you talk about 
you know, sports comes up as an analogy all the time. And I've played a lot of different sports, never been really good at any of them, but I've played a bunch <laughs> of them, right? And the thing I know about sports is there's never been a sport I've played where the coach has said, all right, Watkins, well, stay on your heels, stay on your heels the whole time. No, you got to be up on your toes. You got to be ready to move first and fastest, right? And that's what aggression is. It doesn't mean meanest. It doesn't mean hardest. It doesn't mean toughest. It means don't be afraid to take that new ground or whatever that thing is. Move first because if you're on your heels, you're never getting off of them. You're going to be on your heels forever, right? That's if right. you're on your toes, you can stay on your toes, right? Completely right. Yeah. So you got a lot of stuff going on in your life, man. You yeah. got you got this company that's growing. You've got a thing that you you lead called Man Camp. Yeah. You got a thing that you and your wife lead together called Couples Camp. You're doing aggressive moves over and over and over again. And now we've got something else yeah. that you're trying to be aggressive on, which is a bit painful. What is the most painful thing that you're getting aggressive with right now? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think right now that, as I mentioned before, childhood was a little bit less than, you know, Norman Rockwell and some good friends of mine like you and, and some other folks who I trust and, and treasure uh, have really pushed me to be more aggressive about leaning back into what what it means to be an adult and be, in the, be who I am now in the context of where I came from and reconciling those things. And, uh, well, you had a bad shot of what? You only got to watch one Disney movie a week or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Nobody you know. Nobody you know has a worse childhood than you do. Yeah, yeah. Nobody you know. So tell me about it. Yeah. So um, so growing up, things were a little bit uh, different than than uh, a lot of folks. So my brother and I were latchkey kids from about the third grade on. We'd get off the bus. We'd find our way home. We'd open the door. We'd go down to the unfinished concrete basement in the split level house. There was a ranch with a, you know, walkout kind of basement deal. And there was a TV on a little rickety stand. And that's where we were relegated. We were like, this is where you're expected to be when I get home. So dad comes home, door gets unlocked. If we weren't down there, we got down there real fast, you know. And, you know, he unlocks the door and he's like, get up here. And we're like, so we run upstairs and present ourselves for inspection, you know, kind of a thing. And it's, uh, who burnt the popcorn? Why are the dishes in the sink? Did you do your chore? What? It didn't matter. There was, there was just some landmine we were getting ready to step on in his life, you know. And it, we checked the mail, checked the mail. You checked the mail from the street to the front door, you check the mail, that's a weapon. Why? You could have lost something between the mailbox and the thing. What What are you losing in the mail? I don't know. <laughs> it's 30 yards. My dad didn't exactly have an extensive, you know, bunch of investments and things. I mean, he got, like, junk mail. That's what we got, you know, bills and junk mail. So, um, so yeah, there was that. I remember um, when I left for senior prom, I was lucky enough to have a date to senior prom, and uh, I had not... I had not cut the grass in the backyard properly, which meant there were those, he, he called them holidays, but you know, when you have your mower, your push mower, the, the little tires, if you put them, if you put them in the track of the, of the previous lane, the, the blade should overlap enough to catch anything that's kind of in the middle there, you know? So it's all, there is no sprigs of grass. There aren't, there are no errant pieces, right? So if, if I had left any of those, this was, this was not acceptable at all. I mean, the, the yard had to be pristine. So Apparently, on the day of my senior prom, I had been more concerned with coordinating all the things that go along with your senior prom. And uh, I hadn't cut the grass or I hadn't cut it appropriately. I don't remember. All I remember is I'm in my rented tuxedo, which we didn't have any money for, you know, but I'd scraped together the money to rent a tuxedo. My, my, uh, my date is in her gown. She's got the corsage that I put on. My mom's in the house wringing her hands, and my dad is out back cutting the grass. Hmm. And uh, and I, I walked out of the house and down the driveway to the you know the backyard there where he was and I was like hey dad we're we're leaving we're leaving for for prom this is over the mower you know hmm. he doesn't even stop the mower he just goes F 
in your prom, right? And it flips me off from the backyard. That's what he said, because I didn't cut the grass right. Mm. So, yeah, there was a lot of that sort of like, there was, for, for both my brother and I, there was just, it, yeah. I never even heard that story. Oh, man. I, I thought I heard them all. Oh, my gosh. Did I, tell you, did I tell you the one about the uh, the phone call? The phone call. Here's 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 one of the best. This is, this is uh, gee whiz, senior year of high school, maybe, something like that. The phone rings. And this is back in the day where it's like, you know, analog phone with the, you don't know who's calling. There's no display. The phone rings, one ring. And I just pick up the phone and and slam it back down immediately. One ring. Because I knew it was for no, it was only for me. It wasn't for anybody else. Immediately, my dad is in my room. He had been asleep, you know, quasi, he was, you know, in a stupor asleep, whatever. He was in his bed. He comes in, he's red faced, out of his mind, red faced, and he's screaming and cussing and yelling. And he comes over and he's in my face and spits falling all over me. I'm in the bed because I'd been in bed when the phone rang because I just lights out, you know. So I'm in bed. He's screaming and yelling, whatever else. And he storms out of the room and he slams the door to the room so hard that the door crushes through the stop where the strike is, where the where the door actually closes, and it's out in the hallway. Like the door is through the frame into the hallway, right? And he's out in the other room in the kitchen, hollering and screaming and just causing a great ruckus. Thirty minutes later. I'm still, lights are on in my bedroom. I'm, on, I'm awake, still like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm getting beat next, because that was absolutely part of the deal, typically. Um, the door gets crushed back in from the frame, boom, so hard that the door handle slams through the drywall, right, crack, and it's stuck in the wall. And again, he's red-faced, and he's got a giant steel pot, like something you'd cook soup in or stew in, like one of those old 70s things with like the red kind of faded color, but it's made out of iron or something, and a steel spoon. And he's clanging it like a bell, and he's like, wake up, Wake up! You aren't going to go to sleep if I'm not sleeping. And boom, boom, boom. And he leaves. Doesn't say another word. 30 minutes later, comes back in, does the same thing again. 30 minutes later, does the same thing again. I was, and at some point in there, I was instructed to be on top of my covers, right? Get on top, you know, whatever. You're not sleeping. And then it became every hour. And then it, you know, for the rest of the night, it's, I don't know, 5.30, 6 in the morning the next morning. I'm 16 or 17 years old. I'm on top of my covers. I have not slept. And every half hour slash hour, I've been, I don't know accosted, I don't know, you know, terrorized, I don't know, with a red-faced man who I didn't know if he was coming to beat me or just beat the pot or whatever was going on. And I I remember just my whole body was just shaking as I'm laying on top of the bed. I'm just, I like, I didn't even, I didn't know what to wish for other than I just wanted, I didn't, I was, I was exhausted. I was yeah. frazzled. My yeah. nerves were, yeah. So anyway, we had a yeah. fun time. Yeah. Yeah. And some people say, oh, you're 16. Why don't you stamp yourself? You had, you know, like six <laughs> inches and like 40 pounds or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm what you would classify as short, stocky, and cocky. And my dad is uh, large, stocky, and cocky. <laughs> so, so my dad's my dad's built like a sort of, well, it was, especially then, was kind of built like a 6'2", 230, fairly muscular guy. What we call him in, in, in Kentucky, we call him corn-fed, right? He's one of those guys that you don't see any of those muscles, but he'll pick the car up, right? So he's yeah. one of these guys. And uh, absolutely absolutely the anger ruled him right now he was dealing with a lot of stuff back then whatever but he got angry at the flip of a switch and uh, i remember one time because i'm because again the, the world can enforce its will on you or you can enforce your will upon the world uh one time that same year later that year as everything kind of escalated by the end of my senior year i was 17 when i graduated high school and by the end of that year i'd been kicked out of the cat house like a dozen times and th the whole summer i lived with a friend or on various friends couches because i was kicked out you know um but at one point before I got kicked out or in the midst of some of that stuff, uh, I'm in the living room. Dad and I are at it about something. He and I had a real problem. Um, we're at it about something, and uh, he had he had hit me like the week before or a few days before something. He had hit me, and I had made this mental – I'm like, not happening again. So here we are a week later or whenever it was, 
and he, um, he, he, I think he just like forearm shivered me. And again, this is a big man, and I'm I'm five eight, one eighty. You know what I mean? Now I'm no slouch, but this is a, he's a lot bigger than me. You know, thirty something years old, whatever it was. And he pounds me down on the couch with his forearms, and uh, I bounce off the couch, and I just pound him in the chest like double forearm i played nose guard for a for a big high school in lexington and like i knew how to put a hit on somebody and i clubbed this guy it's like with everything i all the fury and anger i had and he just looked at me and i immediately curled up into a ball on the couch and like protected all my my sensitive areas because i figured here it comes right uh-huh. and the scariest thing he ever did was walk away Luckily, we didn't have a gun in the house. I didn't know if he was going to get a I didn't know what was getting ready to happen. I'd, I'd never – this is a new, this was new territory. Normally, it's just like, all right, go get the belt. Like, we'd have to go get the belt, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was you know, you get two more for – you're going to get five licks, and it's two more for running, and two for crying, and three for trying to dodge it or whatever, you know. So I'd never – this was a, the first and only time <laughs> that I ever hit him back. So, so you've been yeah. living with this for how long? You, you left the house how long ago? Left the house at 17 to go to college three hours away. Alone, my brother and I left the house to go to college. No mom, no dad, nobody taking us to school. We go to school. And that's sort of the thing. We kind of lived, the two of us took care of each other from, we we went into first grade alone. Just So so, so this is 30 years gone by or something? Oh yeah, 30 years. All right, so 30 years have gone by and now you're trying to dig into that. Why are you digging into this? Wow, well... <laughs> Aside from the fact I'm asking questions, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, mostly, mostly because you are asking questions, and because people in my life who have a, a a lot greater sort of context for what a good family can be, should be, and you know, you know, it, it, because it's time, I think more than anything, and because I've got people who actually care about me and say, hey, maybe this isn't the thing you just keep choking down, you know. Um, and Dad and I have gotten to a place, and even Mom and I, um, who I've told no stories about, but she is not. Uh, she is not harmless in this whole thing. She, she uh, there's some ownership there, um, as do as I have ownership. But yeah, anyway. So like, you guys have encouraged me to do that, so I'm trying to do that, and um, I'm not sure I've done much on it yet. But at least you know I'm approaching that whole that whole decision point because you know I'm, I'm actually I, I uh, my wife Danny and I uh, I was talking to her the other day and I said, hey Danny, look, here's the deal. We got to go visit Dad this summer. Now I the last time I saw my dad physically saw my dad was I think three years ago. And we went down to Bowling Green where he lives to uh, the homecoming game for the college that he went to, that, that my brother and I ended up going to for a little while. Um, so we went down to the homecoming game. That was a real sweet moment. His best friend was there. Uh, my brother and I were there. I was like, man, this is going to be great. A little, little beautiful fall day in, in the south. And uh, at the end of the night, the, the last thing I said to my dad was, why don't you pull the car over? We'll find out who's wrong. Right. Mm. That's what that was. The last words I said to my dad three years ago. Mm. OK, now I've, I've spoken to him, text, email since then. But the physically face to face, he drove back to his house. He didn't pull over. <laughs> Luckily for both of us, he didn't pull over. Um, and uh, we drove back to his house and I, I just left. So that was it. So I've got that's not fair to him or to me to to leave that unresolved, even though, you know, at some point yeah. you at some at some point, anybody that's dealing with with that kind of in their life. You have to – there has to be some walls and some boundaries and some you, – you can – it's – well, I've told my brother for years because he's had a different situation with mom is that, you know, at some point you have to choose to stop taking that poison because you're taking it every day. You're living in this toxic thing, and every day you keep yourself a part of it, you're taking more of it. And at some point, family or not, 
guilt or or responsibility or however you want to phrase it or not, you have to walk. You have to first. It was survival for me, right? I had to get out of it for survival. And then when I got married, um, this my the issues became far more about my mother and I than my father and I. He had left her by then and was running off and doing all kinds of crazy. Um, but my mom couldn't handle the fact that I had chosen my wife because my mom had, he had left her two years prior. So my dad left my mom. And then in her mind, I left her. So for, and chose another woman, right? Which is some weird psychological stuff that I probably can't get into. Right. But, but yeah, so then we right. had all kinds of problems and I, and I was, it was sort of the same situation where it, there just came a certain point where I had to go, mom, here's the deal. I have a wife. She's not you. You have to either be a mom and be a part of our lives or not. And if you can't be, if you can't act appropriately, we just can't do this anymore. So coming back into all of that, if I'm being honest with my buddy, it's like, I don't know if I want to stir up that can of worms, you know, but I also don't want to see my mom who's almost 70, you know, in a coffin with me never have dealt with this. You know? Well, I, I just think it's admirable that you're being consistent. I think that's really admirable. I, I know people who are very aggressive when they're on their motorcycle. I know people who are very aggressive when it comes to financial investments. I know people who are who are very aggressive with a whole bunch of things, but there's very few people who want to be aggressive in every sector of their life. And I see that with you. You're trying to be aggressive in your business. You're trying to be aggressive in what you do with your employees. You're now, uh, you've been aggressive with your pastimes. Mm-hmm. Jug and I have a number of uh, hobbies that we do together. And and you're, you're aggressive in and dealing with your crap, dealing yeah. with the past. I mean, very few people your age are going to say, hey, let's go back and dig up what's back there because it's messing me over. Uh, no, I've got to categorize them and keep going forward. Dude, that's that's really great. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <clears throat> I think it's a problem for a lot of people, though, right? I think that's I think that's first of all, I don't know how much of a choice it is. I think there's just something innate in my wiring or or I don't know what the 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 experience I had growing up formed this yeah. thing in me. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I think so many of us have this problem with aggression. They think it is just like, well, when I'm a motorcycle, I'm going to ride real fast. So that's aggressive. No, that's not, I mean, yes, that is aggressive, but that's not how it works. You know? Yeah. So, so many of us live in passivity. Yeah. We don't even know what a ag- healthy aggression is. So whenever we finally get to the point, like the road rage guys or the guys that, you know, at the soccer games, they're yelling at the rest, all this, sh- it's just, like, you have to practice this. You don't just, this isn't, yeah. this can't just be a one-time thing where you're like, yeah, I'm going to be aggressive right now for the well, first time. And I hope you know, we just came off of our first annual 512 holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not going to sing this song. We're not going to yeah. do this song. Well, well, okay. well, well <laughs> we can do this song, but you know, I, I don't know if you've connected or not that, uh, you know, your friends are making aggressive moves. Trying to give you a holiday because of the crappy stuff your past. You yeah. connected that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, actually, I did, and it's it's. Uh, well, we it, should tell before you even tell. We should tell people what, what is five twelve day. Yeah, what, what, what is five twelve well, day? Well, <laughs> okay. So, so do you want to tell them? It was kind of your idea. Judge knows five twelve, and so five twelve day. <laughs> five twelve is. is on May twelve. We 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 uh, on, we, go, we go. We have a five twelve. A friend who has a, a brewing company, yep. so they make a, a beer called a five twelve. We have. A five twelve with five twelve on five twelve at five twelve. That's right. <laughs> at exactly five twelve. Exactly and some people have been known to have five twelve ounce beers as, too. As, as yes. you should. As you should. So, it's uh, a low ABV. It's a session ale of five point one two percent ABV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, exactly. So, so, there's no there's no better way to drive home a derogatory nickname <laughs> than to build an entire holiday around it and somehow present it as an homage to the person. Yes, like, it's because we love day. you, buddy. Yes, it's because we love you. Yeah. No, no, okay. that's, no, the rest of us have a, have a holiday that we all gather together, our wives and everything. So, yeah, right. uh, no, man. I'm on Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah. We all love you greatly. Yeah. And I think for all of us, we thought about that would that'd be a way for us to be appropriately aggressive. Hey, man. Hey, man. Listeners, if you're out there, stop waiting for things to get better. Stop waiting for things to take care of themselves. Stop waiting for somebody else to be helped. You be the one. You be the one that helps somebody. You be, you be the one that blesses somebody. You be the one that tries something different. Don't be like the weenie boys and weenie girls who are waiting for things to take care of themselves. They will not take care of themselves. You have got to take care of it. You. So as we're getting ready to, to head out here, how can people get, get in touch with you? What's going on? I got some. I know you have some really neat things happening. How can people know what's going on in 512? Oh, man. Um, well, a lot of stuff's out there. The camp stuff you mentioned, man camp, a couple's camp. There's a crossroads.net slash camps page that has links that'll get you all kinds of info and all that. Emails where you can connect with through people to me on different questions, tons of questions answered about that and all the info you could ever want about all that. The thing that's next, the thing that's next with me, uh, other than an overlanding trip that I'm getting ready to go on that I'm pretty excited about, but the thing that's next in July, at the, on the last Saturday in July, every year, the last Saturday in July in downtown in Pendleton, which most folks from outside of Cincinnati don't know what Pendleton is. They hear of OTR. So basically in, in the neighbor of, neighborhood of Pendleton on the last Saturday of July, we do a thing called Danger Wheel that I'm also <laughs> involved danger with. Wheel. Danger Wheel. Danger Wheel. Appropriately what named. What is Danger Wheel? So danger Wheel. Sounds very aggressive to it me. Is, it is probably the most aggressive thing I'm involved with. Uh, so it's a thing, some friends, some neighbors of mine put together. We started, this will be our fifth year, uh, where we it is danger wheel is adult downhill big wheel racing so we take actual adults a team of three and these big wheels which are actually drift trikes they just like look like adult versions of big wheels that we have heavily modified because turns out they're made for drifting and we ramp out of so we put we put a full-grown adult on a big wheel who have two we have two other full-grown adults one on each shoulder head to head so two teams of three are at the top of a very steep hill they get shoved for 15 yards by these two guys on either shoulder, shoved down the hill. 15 yards later, those two guys let go, and they are then projectiles who are subjected to a series of ramps that I have designed with a good friend of mine to cause them the most damage we can imagine causing them. The most problems to their cervical Every, lumbar oh, spine. It's, 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 if, it's, you're, if you are a chiropractor, you would you want to go to dangerwheel.com and click the <laughs> contact us. You should at least be handing out cards. These guys, we've had, we well, we've had, we had a guy almost rip his ear off, literally, his whole ear was hanging on by about an inch of skin. Uh, that was not the driver. So if you're wanting to drive in one of these teams, you can tell it's way safer. <laughs> anyway. While was, people pelt, you pay for yes. water balloons and pelt people with water balloons yeah. while they go down. So if you come, it's free to come. It's It costs money to enter a team. It's totally free to come, which was the reason we designed it. We folks from the neighborhood, everybody be able to hang out and not cost a bunch of money. So there's beer vendors, there's food vendors, all the craft beers from in town are there. And while you're there, it's great. Two to six, it is the most kid-friendly event. It's But it's like 80s old school kid-friendly. Like, we're not watching your kids, you watch your kids, and we'll give your kid a water balloon for a dollar that he can throw at a racer, and you can too. As at anybody while they're on the course, they are yeah. fair game, and it's it's it is absolutely it. a blast. Yeah, so aggressive, yeah, so good. Oh, and by the way, if anyone needs drywall hung, you are yeah. Na- A&A Wall Systems is the name of the company. So we're a commercial metal stud and drywall contractor. We really can't help you out if you got a basement or anything like that. But uh, yeah, if you're a commercial general contractor in the Cincinnati area, give us a call. 
All right, brother. 512, great having you. We'll have you back again in the future. That is it. Thanks for being with us today on The Aggressive Life. Thanks, BT. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode has impacted you, hey, share with somebody else. All of us have influence. People that can look to us for direction. Use your influence positively, aggressively. And if this has meant something to you, then pass along to those that you're leading. Uh, you can see more at bryantome.com or search me on Instagram. Special thanks to the band Judges for our music. You can find more from them on Instagram at the band Judges or at facebook.com slash the band Judges. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm.